0: Hi, you're listening to The Thump Podcast, Episode 9. I'm Michelle Luke, Features Editor at Thump. Our usual host, Emily, is out on vacation, so I'm going to be hosting today's episode, which is going to be a 420 special. Today our guests are Anna, our News Editor, Ezra, our premieres Editor, and David, our Homepage Editor. In honor of 420, I wanted to talk about what makes good weed music, as well as weed flower crowns and general corporate weed at Coachella, and lastly, a new weed strain invented by this artist Grizz that has been getting a lot of accolades and even won an award at the Cannabis Cup. What is weed music, or what makes good weed music? Obviously, you know people smoke weed at home or in the club all the time, but is there like a certain sound that you guys associate with stoner music?
2: I'll start on this one. For me, good weed music can kind of be anything because I've always found that weed, as long as it's good weed, usually for me makes music kind of sound better and more enjoyable for the most part, except for country music because I don't think anything could ever make that sound good for me. Sorry. But yeah, I find that When I smoke, my ears are a little more sensitive, so I'll pick up to kind of more nuanced sounds and weird little, you know, kind of hypnotic rhythms, so that can be a ton of different type of music, but from groovy house to 90s hip-hop, I've always been a fan of many different types of music when i smoke and there's also a lot of great youtube channels i found that are kind of custom made for this if you are uh, a little more picky or lost in this area you should check out the cannabis 420 state youtube page it sounds like it's really corny but they actually have some really really amazing albums from trip hop to classic house stuff and all sorts of other types of styles so Cool. Check it
0: out. How about you, Anna? What do you think?
3: I don't really smoke. So, weed music for me is basically associated with my university days when we play a lot of Guitar Hero mm-hmm. and specifically over and over again play Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name of. So, that's great, really. Song. Yeah, it's a great song to play on Guitar Hero
1: when you're stoned.
0: How about you, Ezra? What do you think?
1: You know, I don't smoke too often, but I will share this anecdote from when I was in high school, and it was the first time I ever ate an edible, which, as I'm sure you know, is like a far more potent experience a lot of the time. And I went to this huge event in San Francisco called Love Fest, and it was also the first time I'd ever seen electronic music. It was this outdoor, free, daytime thing that like 50,000 people were at, where these big floats were going around this park, and I saw dead mouse. Ball well, hive, like in a new way that it had never been before. And I just remember being completely blown away by the absurdity of what Dead Mouse was wearing. <laughs> so I think that was pretty good weed music.
0: <laughs> well, I mean,. Maybe this is somewhat of a controversial opinion, but I don't think so. I don't think there is such a thing as good weed music because weed is such a versatile drug and you can smoke it in all kinds of situations. I think the reason why weed has been associated with like Deadheads or Flying Lotus is because these were the scenes that have been like heavy weed users. But as weed become sort of more mainstream, it's just going to be in every single context. And, you know, we don't say that something s- sounds like alcohol music. So to me, the concept of weed music will soon be just as ridiculous. But speaking of sort of the versatility of weed, I sort of wanted to chat about one of the features that we put up for Weed Week, which was a debate between me and two of our UK editors about whether weed is a good club drug. I sort of argued that it is a really good club drug, but I noticed that in different countries it's not so much the case. So when I was in the UK, for example, I had such a hard time finding good weed, and people kept telling me that it wasn't really a club drug there. So Anna, you're originally from the UK. I was hoping you could maybe shed some insight into the cultural differences between us.
3: Yeah, sure. So you and I have definitely spoken about this before. I definitely do not think that weed is a good club drug. And the more I think about it, and having read your piece, and especially Angus and Josh's input, who also agree that it's not a club drug, I think it definitely comes down to a cultural difference. So to start with, in the UK, the UK is behind the US in terms of legalization. Weed is a class B drug in the UK, which means it carries potential jail time just for possession. There is no medical marijuana use in the UK. So you're basically looking at a culture where weed isn't really so culturally acceptable and there aren't moves for it to become more legalized. And I think that the impact that has on the club, on whether or not it's a club drug is kind of twofold. So on the one hand, you have almost less sophisticated weed smoking in the UK the concept of different strains, it's not really a thing in the UK. You basically have super strong weed or hash. And so if you're going to end up smoking skunk, that's just not really conducive to going out. So I think that's one of the main reasons that, it, that I think of it definitely not as a club drug because I'm approaching it from that UK mentality, which is that you smoke weed at home, and you don't go out or you smoke weed when you've come home from the club at the end of the night out.
0: Right, and to me this is one of the greatest ironies slash tragedies of our failing war on drugs which is that Because weed has been criminalized in the UK, there just isn't as much good stuff available and the shitty stuff that people smoke ends up giving the drug a bad name because people smoke it and they're like, oh no, I feel really like paranoid and then now I feel like I'm crashing. So therefore, weed is like a terrible club drug. But to me, it's just like, well, babe, you just need to smoke better shit. The thing that
3: I've been thinking about recently is also I wonder whether... It's a stereotype, but it is true. The attitude of having a stiff upper lip as a British person basically means you're not as comfortable talking about your feelings. So if you're out with your mates and the paranoia creeps in... You may not feel comfortable telling your friends, like, oh, God, I'm feeling really bad, and so you just sink deeper into it. Whereas here, people are a lot more open, people talk about their feelings. You might feel more comfortable talking about that, and you might be able to sort of get yourself out of that paranoia. So that's kind of one element to it. But, yeah, to your point, it's also just the availability. You have skunk, which is just super, super strong. It just means that it's just not going to be conducive to a
1: night out. Also in the UK, you have such a already vibrant club drug culture mm. around uppers. Yeah. that
0: And ketamine.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uppers, downers, whatever, but there's, there's a lot of club drugs available, whereas in the U.S., at least until, I mean, when I was growing up, like, you couldn't really get Molly, and, and maybe you can now more easily when you're younger, but, like, there's just not as distinct a culture of taking uppers or ketamine and going to a club. So I think a lot of the time, people routinely smoke weed and go out because that's what's available to them.
2: Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point. I mean, for me, I connect my earliest musical experiences with weed because that's what was around, even whether I was smoking it or just smelling it. I mean, I started going to see, like, classic rock bands with my dad when I was, like, 10 years old, and those were the first times I ever smelled weed. So I think it was something that I initially connected to like music and going out and you know, my relationship with it has definitely changed as I've gotten older, but I think that's a very interesting point from Ezra that I haven't really thought about so much.
0: Yeah, and sort of going back to what we were talking about before, the versatility of this drug. Weed is like such a unique drug in that it often produces effects that seem almost paradoxical, like you know, it alleviates nausea but it can also cause nausea if you are combining it with like alcohol or something else. You know, it makes you relax, but it can also make you paranoid. It can make you energetic or it can make you tired. So all of these sort of contradictory effects, I think, sometimes makes people have a confused impression of the drug. But again, going back to what you were saying, and I think that the key here is to sort of choose the strain that fits your biochemistry. I personally really like to smoke really heady, cerebral, energetic stuff when I'm out, and then more sort of like indica-based body stuff when I'm like coming down.
3: Before I moved to the States, that as a concept was alien to me, that you... Would be able to find a strain that is so specific to the environment that you are going into that's something that i'd never heard of before moving to the states and I, i'm assuming i obviously can't speak for everybody but i think probably a lot of people in the uk think the same way and maybe there also isn't a market around it as well i have to admit i haven't investigated it in a lot of depth but i definitely never come across that before
1: and
0: i also think that weed is just a better club drug than alcohol because A, you stay out longer, you're not going to crash. And two, it doesn't have as dangerous drug interactions with other drugs that you might be doing. You know, a lot of overdoses are caused by like people combining alcohol with like another downer. I
2: agree and disagree with that though, not to interrupt. No, of course. for me, I definitely agree because I'd say I have a pretty strong tolerance when it comes to weed. But I think for the average person, if they have one drink versus like one hit, the hit will probably send them home a lot faster because I find weed is so based on tolerance. So, for I don't sure. Know.
0: But I guess I'm thinking about like kids who die from molly overdoses yeah, at festivals. I mean, a lot of the times it's like some kind of alcohol element was definitely negatively interfering with their body chemistry. I mean, to
3: bring in the harm reduction element here, to state the obvious, we're not saying that people should go out and smoke weed and mix with other drugs because mixing any substances carries risks. But I take your point that when you're talking about uppers you can have really fatal results if you mix them with with other substances and with alcohol.
2: Definitely mix weed and cookies though. (laughs) It's (laughs) safe.
0: Speaking of weed in the club, I wanted to move on to weed at festivals. Anna, you recently edited a piece about weed flower crowns, which are apparently the new hot thing at Coachella this year. Can you tell us a little bit more about this absurdity?
3: Yeah, sure. Our news writer, Crystal Rodriguez, she wrote a news piece about how some marijuana growers in California called Lowell Herb Company have developed a flower crown specific for Coachella that is made out of literal buds. She interviewed the growers behind this to find out more. They specialize in flowers only, so no edibles. So it's kind of a marketing technique. They specialize in blends and they've developed a special Coachella blend which to our point earlier is supposed to go hand in hand with listening to music and definitely have less of a kind of like chill out home vibe but more like sustain your festival experience vibe and if you buy the Coachella blend which I think is 55 bucks you get this flower crown thrown in the thing that I found again very interesting about reading the interview was again because like I said I, I wasn't really super aware of this before you can have different blends that are going to work better in a kind of festival environment, something that's going to make you feel more relaxed. Um, What the grower described, he said that if you're gonna smoke in a music festival environment, you're going to want something that's not going to make you feel anxious and panicky. So they very much took that into account when they're making their blend.
0: Is it legal for them to sell these flower crowns?
3: So they don't sell them at the festival. You have to buy them at a dispensary and you have to have a medical marijuana card to buy them. But no, you can't just, you can't, they're not selling them at the festival and not everyone can get their hands on them. You have to order them in advance and you have to have a medical marijuana card.
0: Ezra, what do you think about Weed's presence at Coachella this year? I know that you're working on editing a piece about parties at Coachella that featured Weed.
1: A variety of companies in the Weed industry had a really big presence at Coachella as far as throwing parties with big celebrities and ASAP Rocky made an appearance and having a lot of various Weed swag gear for people to try out. I mean, I think it's remarkable mostly as an indication of how big the weed industry is already and how much bigger it's going to get. I mean, we're obviously right on the cusp of a massive corporate weed boom, and the first place you're going to see that is in places like Coachella, where these big companies are going to go to interact with quote-unquote influencers. I don't think it's any different really than a big alcohol company having a big presence at Coachella, so you just go where the kids are.
0: Do you think it's a good thing, though, that corporate weed is becoming such a big thing and all of these brands are trying to capitalize on its moment?
1: I wouldn't really make a value judgment, honestly. It's here. It's completely unavoidable. When you have something that people will spend so much money on, you're going to have people making a lot of money off of it. Yeah. And good or bad is kind of besides the point. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily that bad. I know that some people who work in the weed industry are nervous about how this is developing. They think that the big companies are gonna apply corporate pressure to squeeze out the small growers. But I think in some cases, the big companies are actually just people who've been in the weed industri- industry for a long time, who are just well positioned to take advantage of the boom. I don't know too much about the intricacies of the industry, but just based off what I was reading about Coachella, it seems about as equally good or bad as like Smirnoff having a big branded presence at a festival.
0: Well, we ran an interview with this artist, Grizz, this week as well, and he's very staunchly anti-corporate weed. He made his own weed strain that won an award at the Cannabis Cup, so you would think that maybe he would be really pro-corporate weed or celebrity weed. But he had some interesting thoughts about corporate weed in this interview. David, do you want to maybe tell us a bit about that?
2: So I think to understand kind of... Grizz's story and his relationship with weed and his opinions on, you know, legalization, corporate weed, you have to look at where he's coming from. And he's originally from Detroit, but um, he is very often linked to Colorado, where he lived for a while, and especially Boulder which is a town that has always been kind of a mecca of weed, dating back many, many years. So it doesn't surprise me that he is kind of anti-big marijuana, which I can't believe is even a term, because, you know, these are people that have been pushing for legalization and having uh, medicinal weed for longer than pretty much any of the other states in the country, so... He's really looking at it from a grassroots, (laughs) quote-unquote, level. So I think people there are, you know, very protective of corporations coming in and pushing out the little guy. But yeah, beyond that, I mean, the fact he started his own strain with a local dispensary in Denver called Native Roots, I think is really cool. I think you look at some of these other celebrities who are probably a lot more famous in a broader sense than he is. And it feels sometimes that they're kind of just slapping their name on a strain or putting, you know, laser printing their name on some little vape pen or something like that. And it seemed like he actually, I don't know if worked hard is really the phrase, but, you know, he was very involved in the development of the strain and kind of the branding and he did some kind of events and activations around the strain. So I think it's something that he was doing for the right reasons and actually cared about, and it seemed like he had a pretty fun time. What was
0: the award that he won exactly? It
2: was the second-place Flowers Award in the People's Choice category. So from what I believe... uh, that is when kind of just more like civilians are voting versus actual judges that they have at the Cannabis Cup, which is where he won the award, which is like the world's biggest weed competition. It's like the Grammys and Oscars all rolled up into one. Man, and, I'm killing it with the puns. Wow, this is good. And uh, what were some of the effects of this strain? He described it as developed to have an earthy citrus aroma and a balance between heady sativa energy and relaxing indica effects. So, if you don't know, sativa is more of an upper and indica is like a more like melting into the couch sensation so it seemed that he found a nice balance there which I think is actually interesting because if you listen to his music it is kind of akin to that vibe it has a lot of energy but it's also you know something that's has these kind of like chill more hypnotic vibes to it it kind of takes you on a journey not to be cliche um so yeah it seems like they really uh found a good formula there
0: well cool that sounds honestly delicious unfortunately we're gonna have to end it here keeping it really short this week you have been listening to the thump podcast a production of vice media and thump our podcast is engineered and edited by tim barnes you can find him on twitter at tim barnes 451 our theme music is by lorna doon If you want to check out some of the stories we've talked about, you can check out our website at thump.vice.com. You can also find us on social media at facebook.com slash thumpthump and at thumpthump on Twitter. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, feel free to subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes. Have a good one.
2: And puff puff pass. And puff puff pass.